After nearly 30 years in local town government, culminating in the position of first selectman in Durham, Laura Francis decided that she needed a change of pace. Moving to a position with the South Central Region Council of Governments, she will do what she does best, helping local governments thrive. With so much experience and expertise, she will now move her focus to regional projects with the COG, putting its 15 municipalities in a position to succeed. She joins the Municipal Voice this week to talk about her history and the future of the region. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Gateway Community College and Housatonic Community College. The Municipal Voice is the Connecticut Conference of Municipalities podcast in collaboration with WNHH LP 103.5 FM. I'm your host, Matt Ford. As always, be sure to give us a like and let us know what you're thinking in the comments. CCM's Municipal Voice podcast continues to present a key forum on important state local issues. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the consensus views of CCM or member municipal leaders. Laura, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Always nice to have you on the show. Um, so recently, um, it's very exciting, you moved over to the South Central Region Council of Governments after uh, three decades working for the town of Durham. Um, finally, at, at the end, you were the first electman. Um, what drew you to local government initially and what inspired you to stay for such a long and impressive career? So many years ago when I was in college, and I almost gave you the number, but I, I should probably keep that one to myself. Um, I did my senior uh, project, which back then was called Independent Study. Today would be called a capstone in a very small municipality in Rhode Island. Okay. And after working in a couple of internships at state and federal um, level of government, I kind of fell in love with local government, mm. because it is where you can have the biggest impact to people's lives, or at least the most direct impact to people's lives. And so when I moved to Durham, I uh, saw an opportunity to apply for a position at the town hall. And I was very, very fortunate um, to, to get that position as assistant town clerk. My predecessor at the time had stayed there for 32 years. And my town clerk that I served under, um, she unfortunately passed away in office. She had been there for 32 years. So when I say how very, very fortunate I was to get into the town hall, <laughs> it really was a very opportune moment in mm -hmm. time, right? Because people generally dedicated staff in those Durham, positions yeah. for a long time. Um, and then um, there was an, uh, an opportunity to run for office after being town clerk in the town clerk's office for 15 years um, to move into the first selectman's office. And I was very fortunate to have the confidence of the electorate to uh, allow me to challenge myself in that new role. And I never looked back. It, it was the most exciting time of my career for many, many reasons. Mm -hmm. No regrets, definitely. No regrets. No regrets. Um, so in your outgoing letter to the residents of Durham, uh, you mentioned priori prioritizing clean water for residents as one of your crowning achievements. Um, what are some of the other projects that you worked on in your role as first selectman that stand out to you that you're extra proud of? So you won't be surprised to hear that when I took office, I inherited uh, aging infrastructure. Common problem um, in Connecticut. Now it is... When, when there are competing uh, priorities and limited budgets, 
oftentimes uh, capital projects do get pushed aside. And um, I discovered that we had uh, aging, and when I say aging, 50 to 75-year-old bridges and culverts and you know, road uh, drainage projects that hadn't be, been attended to. Mm -hmm. So I'm very proud to say that we took care of a, a lot of that through the hard work of our public works department and the generosity of our taxpayers to um, take the time to realize that how important uh, that kind of town asset is and yeah. they approved through their funding. I also modernized a lot of the um, way we did things in the town mm -hmm. hall. When I started in 1992, we did not have any computers. Yeah. Um, by the time you know I left, everything was becoming more and more automated. And it was exciting to shepherd a lot of that from being the first person to develop a website to implementing the, uh, the 911 emergency system to, um, to you know, making it so that town hall employees could work remotely. Yeah. So I um, was very proud of how I upgraded a lot of the system. And of course, none of this I did alone, right? Um, very, very talented employees that worked at the town of Durham and advisors mm -hmm. um, from uh, regional entities and, of course, CCM in helping us learn what best practices are, et cetera. Focused a lot on public safety, too. Yeah. Like a lot of communities um, who were dependent on uh, volunteer services, uh, town of Durham was was really experiencing some challenges, particularly in the EMS uh, department. And by the time I left, we secured a contract with Middlesex Hospital to provide that very, very vital service to our residents. And so I can, uh, then and now, I can sleep better at night knowing um, that if, if anyone needed an ambulance, it would come uh, promptly with uh, very talented people working in those rigs. So I'm sure everybody- Those are just a few. Those, those, yeah. are some good, those are some good ones. Those are definitely ones to be proud of. Yeah. Um, but you then made what was, I'm sure, a kind of difficult decision to leave your post as the chief elected official to a position that's no less important, but it's very different with the, in the greater to the greater region um, as, as deputy director and also director of transportation planning at uh, the COG. Uh, Carl Amento, the director of the COG, we also know at CCM as a former chief elected official of a town. Um, what drew you to this organization? Well, it's a little bit like coming home for me. I grew up in Hamden and West Haven. And um, the Scrog region uh, was very, oh, always closely aligned with the River COG. So my home COG mm -hmm. is River COG. Okay. And because we share a Demis region, um, which is Department of Homeland Security, mm -hmm. uh, we do a lot of things together with mm -hmm. this region. So Carl and I had known each other for a long time. Um, this COG has a, a longstanding uh, history mm -hmm. of being led by former chief elected officials before Carl, who was the former mayor of Hamden. It was Judy Gott, who was from um, Brantford, right? Brantford. And, right. Um, and um, I think that it uh, was an easy transition for me because the town of Durham, I always, you probably have heard me say this, was the poster child for regionalism. Mm -hmm. um, from 
education to public safety to uh, waste management. Um, we were um, used to looking to outside of Durham to mm -hmm. provide those vital services. And so it was kind of easy for me to transition um, to a regional platform mm -hmm. because I had already been so closely aligned with many yeah. You're used to thinking in that kind of mode of, of sharing between the, the towns and cities and, and how you can best maximize things for the for the residents. Right. Um, how important do you think the COGS are now, especially that they've been given the county level equivalency um, as far as federal uh, programs go? Well, I, I think that's going to be the foundation to um, hopefully in the future make us eligible for funding mm -hmm. in, in ways that other states are getting funding for counties, right? Mm -hmm. We're not quite there yet, but at least now the census recognizes our COD regions um, as county equivalents. Mm -hmm. So we, and I, and I thank my uh, fellow COD uh, colleagues for advocating for that, because I think in the future, it's going to reap a lot of good benefits for mm -hmm. towns um, and, and regions in, in Connecticut. But particularly, um, COGS are going to be vital to help fill in the gaps uh, for municipalities who are being challenged, um, most, most particularly in staffing, mm -hmm. uh, to be able to take on all that they have been asked to do over the years. You know, I've, I said it, um, in my first term of office, I got a very different job than I ran for. And that was true every single term I was reelected thereafter. Because, right, the job is changing, the role of municipal government is changing, and um, COGS are, are increasingly filling in the gaps to help uh, municipalities do um, what, what, what they feel challenged to do. And mm -hmm. in this region, um, we've been helping municipalities with cybersecurity, with, uh, with uh, waste management, municipal composting, grant writing, with procurement. Mm -hmm. um, those are just a few of the things that we've been assisting with. But of mm -hmm. course, COGS work for the membership. Yeah. So the board of directors, which it, it consists of the CEOs from each member town, um, you know, we work with them very closely in our, and we keep our ear very close to the ground to mm -hmm. hear where their challenges are. And then we discuss whether or not it makes sense mm -hmm. to do um, that or fill in that gap uh, regionally. For instance, some COGS are even considering um, hiring assessors, hiring uh, building officials to uh, zoning enforcement officers, mm -hmm. because in those areas, um, municipalities are finding it very difficult to fill those positions when they become vacant. Mm -hmm. And then um, we are noticing also from the federal government that um, many grants now require regional review. Mm -hmm. And many um, notices of for funding opportunities are asking municipalities to make sure that they uh, are uh, their projects are aligned with 
regional goals, with regional plans, mm -hmm. with um, regional strategies to address issues, whether it's transportation or climate issues, um, or, or even equity mm -hmm. issues right now. And so COGS are very important to municipalities to um, make sure that what they're doing aligns with the bigger picture. Yeah. Which is, 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 is really um, a very smart way to approach planning, right? Mm -hmm. um, so you know, increasingly COGS are, are providing some of these kind of essential services to towns. And you mentioned a few of them, um, you know, cybersecurity, um, composting, some solid waste issues. Can you talk a little bit more about some of those issues, what you're hearing from your members and why these issues are affecting our town so much right now? Well, you know, the impacts of those um, don't stay inside the boundary of the town, mm -hmm. right? So um, it's often if a municipality is uh, suffering a cyber attack, that could affect um, not just the residents of, those, of that municipality, but their, um, their employees, mm -hmm. their vendors, et cetera, et cetera. And oftentimes that has wide uh, impact. Um, municipal composting, uh, that is a, another way that we can all learn from each other we often share destinations for that material. Mm -hmm. um, so we can uh, help each other secure uh, better contracting when we do that together. You know, efficiencies and, um, and cost savings. And yeah. it's, it's been really uh, rewarding to work on those things regionally. And the state of Connecticut is also looking for us to do that, right? So it used to be that the COGS major source of funding, which mm -hmm. still is, is the transportation dollars that come from the federal government through the state. Mm -hmm. um, but now the state of Connecticut is giving regional service grants to um, COGS to encourage um, that type of service and, and resource uh, sharing. That's great. So the state's acting like a partner in a lot of ways Correct. to you guys now. That's, that's great. You are listening to the Municipal Voice on WNHH 103.5 FM. In your role as Director of Transportation Planning, um, you have a lot on your plate um, between long-term investment and transit-oriented development um, and an influx of money from the IIJA and also move towards sustainable methods of transportation, you know, electric cars. There's a lot going on right now. Um, how do you prioritize issues in transportation planning? Well, that's a challenge because, so I've been in local government long enough to remember the days when all of these opportunities and, and funding opportunities came as a trickle, drip, 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 right? Now it's a fire hose. <laughs> and while that is all good, it has been a challenge keeping up with it all. Mm -hmm. uh, COGS across the state, including ours, um, are looking to staff up like the state of Connecticut is trying to do uh, so that we can maximize our opportunities to get our fair share of those dollars. Because at the end of the day, with all of the automation that we have, it still takes people to prepare those grant applications, to develop the projects, to, to prioritize, to make sure 
that the project's um, impact will be as as intended, et cetera, et cetera. So it sometimes it's it's a thoughtful prioritization. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just uh, which one is the next one due. <laughs> Um, and then, of course, we take um, goal, uh, cues from our members. You know, mm -hmm. what is important to one town isn't necessarily important to another town. And so we have to make sure that we're also, um, you know, meeting their goals as well as the overall regional goals. Very cool. Um, so at the COG, you kind of operate under three different umbrellas. Um, the Regional Metropolitan Transportation Plan, the transportation improvement program and the unified planning work program. What are the kind of the elevator pitches for these three efforts? So the regional metropolitan transportation plan is the plan that outlines our goals, our strategies, what we want to see our region look like, act like, be like. Mm -hmm. The unified, the UPWP, the unified um, planning uh, work plan is where we put together the studies, um, put together the plans that are the foundational documents, the foundational work that help develop the projects. Okay. And then the projects, once they are developed and identified, will get part of the tip or the stick. And that's where we have to work very, very closely with the state of Connecticut so that um, you know, our priorities become their priorities, their priorities become our priorities. Excellent. So the th kind of three kind of steps along the way, the, the what we want to do, how do we do it, and then making it happen sort of divisions of, of the stuff there. That's very cool. Um, New Haven, uh, where we are at CCM, is a major hub for rail infrastructure. And the governor, senators, and many others have often talked about the need for major rail improvements to the service to Hartford, to New Haven, Shoreline East. Um, what role might the COG play in improving the service and how can the area benefit from improved service? Well, first of all, the area would uh, benefit greatly by increased rail because it would bring in employees, right? We, we have heard time and time again that almost industry-wide, there are um, challenges in the workforce. So the more, um, we can bring in workforce um, via public transportation um, to our employers, to our to housing, um, to, to uh, entertainment, uh, the better quality of life we are going to have in all of those different areas, yeah. whether it's you know life, work, um, and 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 entertainment, tourism, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, rails is, is, is it's a high-ticket item. So clearly, um, the state is going to be the driver on that. Yeah. But what we can do locally is make sure while those that planning is taking place that we limit um, adverse environmental impact mm -hmm. um, to our region, that we um, maximize benefit to our region, where we can align transportation, whether it be rail or transit or or you know all the all all multimodal mm -hmm. right to um, our assets that are here, um, and we can help with that public outreach. Yeah. 
every every cog is is very very active in coordinating public outreach to gather that kind of input mm -hmm. from all different sectors from you know the neighborhoods all the way up to multinational um, corporations that are inside our region so it, it, it we pay play a very vital role in that coordination as well Definitely. You have the, the local knowledge and also the, the knowledge of, of the program so you can kind of bring those two worlds together. That's, that's good. Right. You know, we also play a role in, as you well know, with your good work that you do with all of the municipal leaders around the state. Um, they're very, very busy. Yeah. And um, they have to become a jack of all trades. They have to become a little bit of experts on a lot of different topics. Mm -hmm. Um, COGS across the state, including ours, um, play an important role of informing municipal leaders of a lot of um, these programs. Uh, you know, some of the, uh, I would say, emerging ideas mm -hmm. and, and uh, best practices, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we can be the thinkers yeah. for are municipal leaders who don't have time to think. You, you can be the specialists yes. that, that really focus on, on the, the one issue and then help them all figure it out. Right. That's very cool. It's an, an important role in local government, definitely. Um, as the director of transportation planning, um, if you could choose one fund, one project to fund entirely that would benefit the entire region, what would it be? Oh, come on. That's like asking your mother, who's your favorite child? You can't, you can't answer that question. It's me, obviously. <laughs> um, but I can't answer it this way. I would choose the project that would um, have the biggest impact in improving the safety of all of our different transportation um, modes, particularly on our highways. Mm -hmm. When you see the numbers of fatalities and um, severely um, uh, severe accidents that mm -hmm. we have on our highways across the nation, nation mm -hmm. but particularly in Connecticut, it will really make you sad because yeah. with every person who loses a life or loses um, any kind of uh, quality of life, that affects not just that person, but families mm -hmm. and employers and friends and um, and our economy. And so to think that uh, we could make a difference in, in, in improving that, mm -hmm. um, that's the project that I would, would choose. Mm -hmm. You know, that solution is not easy. You yeah. see that transportation planners would look at highway geometry, road geometry, and, you know, infrastructure. And, and look at all the reasons why that crash happened. Mm -hmm. it, but you know, it's now, a line turn. It's a it got icy. all of that. Yeah, yeah. And it and there is still that very important work that mm -hmm. has to be done. But increasingly, it's behavior that is causing a lot of these uh, fatal and, and severe crashes. Yeah. And that's not as easy to solve, right? Yeah. You can't get an engineer on that as easily as you could on road, uh, road design. Yeah. Um, so uh, we are working with 
uh, not only the state of Connecticut, but the Federal Highway Administration to look at how can we affect mm -hmm. uh, behavior in motorists today to yeah. improve highways. So would that be like education programs you would look into? It's education. Or? It's education. Um, it's looking at design of cars even. Mm -hmm. you know, there is so much going on inside of a yeah. car today yeah. um, that can distract you from driving. Um, the size of the car, it, you know, this, everyone's driving an SUV. Today. Mm -hmm. And so you ask, why are there so many uh, more pedestrian fatalities today than there used to be? Mm -hmm. Well, a smaller sedan car, if they hit a pedestrian, would hit it, hit that person in the lower half of his body. Yeah, and you can the, the now, hood now. You know, yeah. yeah, if you hit a person with an SUV, you know, you're hitting the upper part of the body, which will result yeah. in, you know, more serious injuries. Yeah. I imagine some of the work you're doing with uh, mass transit, too, could help. You know, everyone that's on the train isn't on the road in a car and, is, you know, less congestion, I imagine, makes things safer, too. Exactly. And better for the environment. Presumably. <laughs> Arguably. Definitely. <laughs> um, so kind of towards the end of the show, we always like to ask our guests how they are feeling about the future. Um, you've taken on quite a big role um, with the COG. Uh, how do you feel about the many moving parts going on in this region? Do you think that the IIJ money is going to be transformative? Do you, know, do you feel optimistic about the future of the region? I do. In fact, you know, people have seen me since uh, I've changed jobs, and um, they've, they've often commented that I have my smile back because I am optimistic. Because what I'm seeing in this role versus um, my last role that kept me very, very focused and a little myopic is that um, we have younger people uh, working in uh, more important roles. Mm -hmm. While I miss so many of my colleagues that I work at the state of Connecticut um, who have retired, I'm finding the people that have replaced them have um, such facility with technology mm -hmm. and they're bringing that perspective to problem solving. They seem to be much more collaborative. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's due to the way they were educated versus maybe back in my day mm -hmm. with um, group approach to things. Yep. And, um, you know, anytime that you see fresh eyes on things, it just makes me excited um, and very optimistic for the future. I also see a little shift happening in government as well. Mm -hmm. um, while I think government on, on every level is a little bit more open mm -hmm. to out-of-the-box solutions, um, you don't hear people say anymore, this is what we've always done. Yeah. And, and so that excites me. I also see um, the BIL and, the, and money coming in from other sources for um, a lot of different areas from climate mm -hmm. change to transportation to infrastructure. You know, energy begets energy. Yeah. So um, when we start checking off these projects, and some of them are, have been on the books for a very long time, when we start checking them off as complete, mm -hmm. that energizes people 
to, you know, plan for more. They, they see things are possible. And uh, yeah, I'm very optimistic. <laughs> Optimism is contagious. Yeah. Um, and are you also feeling the same way for the state as the whole, you know, beyond the region? Do you think, you know, this is a, a, a good time for Connecticut? I do think this is a good time for Connecticut because um, there are job opportunities like like never before. Um, I think even um, for every age group, right? So I'm of an age, right, where maybe I should have thought about retiring. Mm -hmm. But here I am in a new role. And I see many of my friends and colleagues of my age mm -hmm. uh, looking to start new careers. Um, be, because I think there's such a shortage of the workforce right yeah. now. And so that's exciting. Young people are no longer feeling uh, uh, challenged the way they did before when they graduated college, that they weren't going to find a job. There's mm -hmm. so much available now. And if you don't want to go to college, there's so much opportunities for really good paying jobs mm -hmm. in the trades. And, and and elsewhere. So, um, you know, it's 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 changed, and it, it came on slowly. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, COVID kind of slowed it down a little bit. Yep. Um, but I, I think it's coming back, and it's coming back strong. That's what I have to say. You're here. Go connect. That's my story, and I'm. <laughs> <laughs> well, Laura Francis, so much for speaking with us today. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. All right. Well, thank you. And to all your colleagues there at CCM, um, I really credit you with so much of my career development and um, so much support over the years. So it'll be hard for me to say no the next time you call. <laughs> We'd like to thank our guest, Laura Francis. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Gateway Community College and Housatonic Community College. Learn more at gatewayct.edu and husatonic.edu. Municipal Voice is a co-production by CCM and WNHH 103.5 FM. Kevin Maloney is our executive producer. Christopher Gilson is our producer. Terry Draws on the boards. I'm Matt Ford, your host. Be sure to check out our Facebook page and give us a like. And watch out for our CCM chat series on our YouTube page.